0: Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with Kate Cameron, one of four Manitoba skips going to the Scotties in Calgary in mid February. Also, we're going to chat with Chris Kolonkowski, who signed a two year deal to stay with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's all coming up on the podcast. In Manitoba will have four teams at the Scotties in Calgary next month. Starts in just over two weeks. There's Carrie Anderson, four-time reigning champion, Team Canada. Jennifer Jones, pre-qualified as one of the top two teams in the Canadian team rankings last spring. There's Caitlin Laws, who took home the crown at the Manitoba Scotties in Morden this past weekend. And Kate Cameron, who gets in as the top team in the rankings that didn't win their provincial playdowns. Cameron has been throwing third stones for years, close to a decade after skipping early in her career. She made the Scotties six times. From 2017 through 2023, first with Michelle Englot as Manitoba, and then they came back as Team Canada, even though they lost the final because Rachel Holman went to the Olympics, and then moved to Alberta to play with Laura Walker for three years, then Casey Scheidegger last year, and now back to Manitoba to skip a new team with Megan Walter, Mackenzie Elias, and longtime teammate Taylor McDonald. In the Scotties, in Morden, Cameron went 5-0 and in the group stage, but then lost two of three games in the championship round, so she had to play Beth Peterson in the semis, after giving up steals in the first two ends, tied it at two in the third, 5-4 for Peterson in the ninth, but then Peterson scored three in that ninth end to claim the win, knocking out Cameron and moving on to the final where she would lose to Laws in a close game, 9-8. But Cameron was still able to earn a berth as a wildcard. Talked to Kate earlier today, and I started by asking her when she knew for sure she was getting into the national championship.
1: Um, I think we knew for sure. Well, when we got our official email, I think it was about seven or eight p.m. on Sunday night. Um, we kind of had run some scenarios, and we were pretty confident that if Caitlin had won Manitoba, that we'd be awarded one of the spots, regardless of what had happened in Alberta. And uh, turns out that math was right. So,
0: so playing in such a strong province then is part of your strategy leading into the tournament to build up as many points as possible, knowing that maybe you don't make it through your provincials
1: yeah that was definitely kind of what we had planned our season for and and played a really heavy tour season to try to put ourselves in a position for that but um i think being a first year team this year we had a lot of um like highs and lows and we played more than we wanted but we needed to play to get into things so it was kind of a a bit of everything and i think uh, we're just really thankful that all that hard work and all that time away has paid off right now.
0: And so now you uh, you need a new player on your team, I, I've heard with uh, Taylor McDonald, expecting. So you've actually announced today that you're bringing Kelsey Rock with you. What led to that decision?
1: Yeah, we just announced that. Um, you know, we, we literally spent all of last week focusing on last week, and we really didn't have a plan going forward What? Uh, our lineup would look like so when we did meet yesterday um Kelsey was the person that we thought would be the best addition to our team given the short time frame that we have I think it's really huge that I've played with and against Kelsey for many many years and uh obviously her resume speaks for herself so anytime you have the opportunity to snag a world champion and add them to your roster I think that that's a pretty solid move but not just her playing abilities, she's just an overall really nice person. And I think that she's going to fit in on our team quite well.
0: So is she going to slide into Taylor's spot throwing second stones?
1: She will be playing second, yeah.
0: Okay. And Taylor's still going to be with you though at the tournament, right?
1: Yes. So we're hoping everything's good with her and uh, she'll be joining us in an alternate role or kind of like a coaching alternate role and, and supporting us as much as she can on the bench.
0: So what happens between now and when the tournament begins in a couple weeks, what do you have to do to get ready?
1: Uh, I think a little bit of a little bit of everything, a lot of planning, um, some R and R, but also getting on the ice as much as we can, um, whether that's all four of us, including Kelsey, or um, in some duos or some trios, just to get out there and get familiar with playing with each other. Obviously, um, a little bit different for Meg and Ken's; they've never played with Kelsey and I'm honestly not too sure that they've even played that much against her given uh they're just kind of newer in the women's scene so um familiarizing them with Kelsey and then yeah getting Kelsey as comfortable as she can be on our team to to be just a, an even player on our team
0: so being together this is still your first year together as a team to make it to the Scotties just to be there b- beyond what you do at the event how much of an accomplishment is that
1: yeah, I think it's quite rewarding for, um, honestly, we've put in a lot of a lot of work on the ice, but a lot of time off the ice together. And I think it's it's a great consolation prize for not coming out to um, our best game in the provincial semi. But um, yeah, it's definitely fantastic that it paid off and, and uh, it kind of speaks to the season that we had. So very excited for the opportunity.
0: How would you say your move back to skip has gone after so many years throwing third stones?
1: uh it's gone better than i thought um i was a pretty vocal third as well so having that part of the conversation still there wasn't too much of a change um the girls have been wonderful and they've been really supportive of me kind of relearning a new role and and uh you know i think Megan and i have supported each other a lot because she also switched roles to go into third yeah no it's been great and the girls have been very supportive
0: the experience that walter got to have and and elias as well getting to the scotties last year as a wild card team at such a young age what that experience will will lead mean for them going into the second chance with you this year
1: yeah i think uh you know i think they're pretty fearless and regardless with or without experience i think they're just very passionate about the sport and eager to learn and, and really just eager to succeed so um, i think being there before obviously i think that calms some nerves um, it would be crazy if someone went to the scotties for the first time and didn't feel nervous or anxious so um, i think They did really well last year, and I think that they will definitely build off that. And uh, I'm sure there'll be two names that you hear for for a long time.
0: I know that wearing Alberta jerseys and going to the Scotties a number of times representing that province was was great for you. But is there a little bit more special feeling repping your home province at the Scotties?
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess. I guess we're not really called a wildcard team, so we're called Manitoba Cameron, I believe. Um, yeah, obviously, the ultimate goal was to win the province. And I think that that would have been very special to come back from Alberta after all these years and be able to win our province. But um, nonetheless, it means a lot to go as a Manitoba-based team. And, and uh, I'm really excited to do that in a new role. And I've been to quite a few of these now. And so I'm looking forward to a change of going as one as a skip. And I'm, I think it'll be great with uh, the Manitoba sport.
0: I guess we don't really know what the uniforms will look like yet, but I I noticed that too in yesterday's news release from Curling Canada that it's not wildcard. One, two, three, four. It's Manitoba Laws, just Manitoba Cameron, Manitoba Jones, four Manitoba teams. Do you think that might get a little confusing? It
1: uh, could. Um, I don't believe our uniforms are yellow or brown. So I think there'll be some clear um, ways to determine who's, who's what team, but uh, yeah, I've, looking at the draw, even having a yeah Manitoba C and a Manitoba L can be a little bit confusing. So but yeah, it's it's nice to be associated with the name Manitoba and not just wildcard. So um, yeah, looking forward to it.
0: What does it say about this province that there's four teams out of 18 from here competing?
1: Yeah, I think I think everyone in Canada knows that Manitoba is uh, is a hot spot for female curling and and uh, even some of the teams here in this province that maybe haven't broken through to that national stage are are really strong competitors in our provincial championship and have been kicking around Manitoba for quite a while. Um, I think, yeah, it just it honestly just speaks to the, to the game here in Manitoba and how competitive it, it has been. And these are players I've been competing against for honestly some of them since like mid juniors. So, um, it's definitely nice to know that we can compete against the best in the country, just being from Manitoba. But kind of like you said, you kind of have to plan your season. That winning a provincial championship here isn't isn't so simple.
0: And I guess you would have been rooting for Caitlin in the final, right? Normally, I guess you'd, you we didn't win. Whatever happens, happens. But you needed Caitlin to to win that for you to go to the Scotties.
1: We thought we did for sure. I guess it turns out uh, either her or Sterman, if either of them had won, we would have got okay. to go. But Uh, Yeah, we kind of knew going into the week, soft play, that if we got into the final and we were playing Caitlin in the final, that I think we had a very, very secure lock on a wild card spot. But um, bowing out in the semi, we really didn't know how the rest would kind of shake up. So uh, Jerry was updating the points pretty frequently on Sunday. And once we saw that we had actually passed Brown by making the semifinal, I think we knew at that point we just needed one of those two teams. Okay.
0: And Sturmay did end up winning uh, a pretty dramatic Alberta final. So we could have had five then if uh, Beth would have uh, beaten Caitlin on Sunday. Uh, One last question before I let you go. Do you miss sweeping?
1: Do I miss sweeping? Um, I miss sweeping on some of the, the big team shots. You really get a big high from a really good sweep that just gets a draw there or just makes a really big shot. So I think now throwing that final one, I feel like I'm I'm out of the equation on a lot of the big team shots. I just throw the rock and, and then the rest of the girls do their thing. So uh, there's definitely some highs to that. But um, the fatigue that comes along with a long week, like the Provincials of the Scotties, I'm sure I can confirm I don't miss sweeping.
0: Right. And you, you like that pressure of holding the rock in your hand for the last stone of the end then.
1: Yeah, so far it's been very enjoyable. So I have.
0: All right. Well, best of luck, Kate, as you uh, get set for the Scotties and best of luck in Calgary in February. Thanks so much. Uh, that is Kate Cameron, skip of one of four teams representing Manitoba at the They're not called wildcard teams anymore. It'll be Manitoba C, so if you look on the draw, it's MB-C, and there's MB-L, and there's MB-J for Laws and Jones. Also Canada, which is Kerry Anderson. Cameron opens the tournament against New Brunswick Saturday, February 17th at 2 p.m. from Calgary. So that's the women's side of things. The men's side, will figure out in the next couple weeks. The Viterra Championship begins next week on the 6th. Who will be participating? The top seeds, the draw, it's all out today. Winnipeg <music> Blue Bombers have added this week another player to this list of Resigned pending free agents that list is now at 11 after chris kolonkowski signed a two-year extension that was announced yesterday and tonight he joins us on the show chris how does it feel to be locked up for another couple of years in winnipeg
2: oh it feels good you know it's uh that's kind of the goal the whole time as soon as season ended i knew what i wanted to do so finding a way to make it work definitely feels good big relief so
0: when you say you wanted it at the end of the season how does the process work then from your perspective of making it happen
2: uh, just in you know, actual meetings with my uh, offensive line coach, uh, Marty Costello, and then with uh, Osh, just kind of communicating with them. You know, I enjoy being here. It's where I want to be for the foreseeable future. So just kind of letting them know that that's where my head's at. And then when I talk to my agent, first call, it's just like, hey, let's find a way to get back there. We have to be patient because obviously there are a lot of moving pieces this year is with the GM contract being up and all that. So it's just kind of patience for a while. And then uh, as soon as the talk started, just let them know this is what we're hoping for. Uh, We want to be back. Let's see if we can make it work. So, just kind of being patient and waiting for a call. Never a worry that it wouldn't happen. Uh, I think a little bit there, just because it took a while. Like it, it just it took a bit to get started. But just because obviously big pieces to get put in place first. But once the talk started, it was pretty good from the beginning.
0: Yeah, your number eleven on the list has been communication with other players about coming back and. Uh, what have you heard from teammates since it was announced yesterday?
2: Uh, just a lot of guys happy for me. You know, A lot of guys reaching out, just saying they're glad I'm back or uh, just happy I was able to be where I want to be because obviously I talked to parent uh, teammates about wanting to be back and that's what I hope for me and my family. So they're just happy that I was able to make it work for everybody. So this past
0: year for you, uh, starting every single game and the playoffs as well, how much pride do you take in Availability and being able to go every single game for the team,
2: yeah, I think for any offensive lineman, that's one of the biggest things we strive for. Um, just being durable, being consistent, like with the O line, everything's about consistency. You can have a hundred good snaps if one of them's bad, that's the one everyone remembers. It's the same thing with missing games. You know if you miss a game and something goes wrong in a game, uh, you know your name's kind of on that. So I just really want to be in there, be able to contribute every game and keep the guys behind us safe, like the running back, Zach at quarterback, uh, and just do everything we can to help the team win. And if you're on the sideline, it hurts. Like uh, in 22 there, I took a bit of an injury towards the end of the year, and it really sucks to watch when you're out there the week before. So it was good to be able to contribute every week this year.
0: And it wasn't just you. That whole offensive line was pretty much healthy the whole year.
2: Yeah, it was great. Uh, a lot of continuity there, and – I think it showed the results showed with the way we were blocking for Brady behind us, just having the same guys in every game, pretty much. It really helped with us get on the same page with everything. You know, a lot of stuff that we just figured out on our own, unspoken, even just, we see something happen. And I know what Patty's going to do beside me. I knew what Jeff was going to do beside me. I knew what Stan was thinking just once I see the defense do something. So that's something that happens when guys are available every week. And we get to review the tape every week, talk about situations. So it just really helps with gelling together.
0: And uh, you're back, Stanley Bryant's back, uh, Pat Newfeld is back, Jeff Gray and Jamarcus Harder are still unsigned. And so do you keep up with the guys that aren't signed yet? Is there concern that they're not going to be back, or is this a no-comment situation?
2: Yeah, it's something I want to get into, but obviously we're all close. We talk uh, not always about football, just about life, asking how their families are doing, how their offseason is doing. But anything to do with contract stuff, it's, it's more their world. I don't want tu- to touch it. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, have you rewatched the Grey Cup?
2: Uh, I didn't watch the TSN copy, but I've watched like our film version, I like, think three or four times, honestly. And uh, the first month back, it was always in my head. So some Sunday mornings, I just wake up and be like, oh, I got to watch it again. And uh, yeah, so I probably, I've watched the film about three or four times probably.
0: Okay. And does it get any easier to watch?
2: Absolutely not. No. Especially, uh, being at the gym. Sometimes they have TSN on it's like CFL wired and they're showing the great cup game. And it's just like, that's an on in the background when I'm trying to work out it's good motivation in the gym. That's for sure. Yeah.
0: I bet it would be, uh, what from watching it a few times, what stands out about the game is, are you thinking more about what went wrong than things you did well?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, that's kind of how I watch film is I try to look for what to fix. I don't really look too much for the positive. Um, feel like the positive it's nice it's feel good but you don't really get any better focusing on that stuff personally i get better with hard coaching and focusing on what i need to improve on so a lot of that's just watching like for me hand placement something i always focus on especially as a center start the hand the play with your hand between the legs so like not just that not that game specifically but every game just making sure i'm striking in the right positions Um, but generally when i watch film it's to see what goes wrong and how to improve it how to fix it whether it's making the better call or just better technique. So I think I took the same approach in watching that game, just being critical of my play and just everything around me.
0: So when you're watching that game back then, you're not really concerned about the end result of the game? You're not like, oh, dang, that receiver made a great play. You're just watching yourself?
2: Uh, The first couple times, yeah. But then uh, I'll usually, the third or fourth time, I'll take a better look at the people around me once I get a better feel of how I played. And then I start watching the guys. Like I see Patty do something crazy on the field. I see Yoshi just absolutely mauling people. You know, It's pretty easy to get excited about watching those guys play too. But the first couple times, I like to get a feel of how I played, what I can improve on. Then after that, it's kind of enjoy watching the guys in the room play. It's always a good time to go back and see them succeed and do what they're great at. So back-to-back
0: Grey Cup defeats, is that the main motivating factor going into this year to get back and make amends?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, the goal every year is to get to that game and and at the end win it. it. And uh, obviously the last two years have been pretty tough losses with how they shook out at the end. uh, Came down to the wire. So really want to get back and do it again. So
0: this upcoming season then, what do you personally as an offensive lineman do to prepare for a season?
2: For me mostly, um, it's in the gym. In the gym, it's in uh, working with uh, physio guys just to make sure my body's moving properly. Um, even if there's no injuries or issues, it's just making sure you're bending properly, using every body part appropriately, so not relying too much on your knees or your hips, kind of using a well balanced approach to simple things like decelerating and then obviously just diet getting right again back up to the proper weight cuz I tend to drop a little bit in season so it's getting in a good weight, good shape, great cardio ready for camp, ready to work so there's no kind of build up in camp, you're just ready to go right away so if there was a game when you show up, you're comfortable to play it.
0: So what does a diet look like for an offensive lineman because you know being big is part of your job?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I'm a little unique compared to guys I've played with in my career and that for me putting on the weights, probably one of the hardest parts of playing O-line for me. Um, like when I went to York for my rookie year, I was about 215, 220. So I'm, I was undersized to start. So it was just the whole battle for my five years there was obviously getting in the gym and putting on weight. And now it's not so much a gym as an issue. I've learned to love it. It's one of my favorite parts of the preparation. It's just the eating, just massive meals, keeping them clean eating four big meals a day with a bunch of snacks tucked in around there. And, you know, sometimes, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night comes around. You're not hungry. Uh, you don't want to cook, but it's kind of I got to cook to get the calories and to make sure I get up to weight by camp. So it's kind of a – for me, it's a process and making sure I'm on top of it. Some guys, they hang around at playing weight pretty easily. And some guys need to focus on keeping the weight down. But for me, it's really uh, eating – clean throughout the year and very consistently th- every day.
0: So what's your, your main go-to food if you need to get a bunch of calories in quick,
2: I think just my standard quick go-to dinner. It's been for many years now is just bell peppers, uh, two chicken breasts and uh, potatoes in the oven, just roasted potatoes. It's quick. It's easy. Uh, get the chicken going on the cast iron comes up pretty good every time. And that's just kind of my go-to easy meal where I know the prep's pretty quick, I have a good system to get it going, and the cleanup's not too bad.
0: Nice. Uh, before I let you go, your birthday's in uh, just over a week. It's on February 7th. Anything special planned to turn 32?
2: Uh, I think this one's going to be a quiet one. Uh, you know, I just had a daughter January 7th, actually. Uh, me Congratulations. And my wife had our first kid. Thank you. So I think it's going to be quiet hanging out at home with uh, my wife and daughter, maybe have my parents' over. But, yeah, keeping it quiet this year. Just with a uh, four-week-old around, it'll be pretty tough to get up to anything.
0: Well, how quiet is it, though, with a, a one-month-old kid? As quiet as she allows it to be. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Chris, appreciate your time. Congrats again on the, on the birth of your daughter. Congrats again as well on the new contract. We'll uh, talk to you as we get to the spring.
2: Thank you very much. Have a good one.
0: That's Chris Kolonkowski, offensive lineman for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, signed a two-year contract extension with the team yesterday. He is the 11th player to resign there's 23 that have it they they all won't right there's gonna be some that go somewhere else we don't know who yet that's part of the fun of the next few weeks speaking of which the cfl free agent market got a new running back in it very loaded running back market well thank you very much for listening to the cjob sports show podcast if you like what you heard guess what you can hear more every weeknight on cjob from 6 30 to 9 p.m thanks again for tuning in Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again.
2: So long, thanks for all So sad that we should come to this. We try to warn you all of oh, day. You may not share our intellect. Which might explain
1: your history.